I don't know how much attention you've paid the way we're spread out and sprawled out, but over the last several weeks, we've had a ton of visitors to come, and um, some of you has even been here long enough, we don't even call you visitors no more, so we would like to extend a great big huge welcome to you, to all of our visitors, whether you're here for the first time or this is your 15th or 20th time, and I've just failed to welcome you, I apologize, but we're glad to have you, um, hope that you're made to feel welcome um, here at Wells Baptist Church. Um, we have got folks uh, that have, are coming uh, Alaska, uh, Washington State. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what God's doing. You know, we get focused on, I even made the comment this morning in Sunday school, something about a skeleton crew. Like, you know, we, we are down numbers-wise, but we get so caught up in the down that we don't realize the number of people God's actually sending. You know, and, and really and truly we should be focused on that part of it and worry about discipling and growing and loving on the ones that God is giving us, right? Instead of sitting and pouting about the ones that are not here. So for, for those of you that are visitors or those of you that have been uh, coming for a while and just ain't heard it yet, welcome. We're absolutely tickled to have you. We're glad that you have chosen to come and, and worship with us. I pray that you are made to feel welcome in, in some capacity uh, while you are here. So... um we're going to continue on our little bit of a path this morning on the one another's um, and, and hopefully, prayerfully, maybe, possibly, uh, this may be our, our last trip here um, for a little while if, if things stay as they are. Um, God has something different for next week, but for this week, we're going to stay with one another's um, and I, I'm going to give you two different places. So first find First John chapter 3, First John chapter 3. First John chapter three. And then once you get that one, hold it and go to John chapter thirteen. We're gonna come back and actually be in first John chapter three, but I want you to have John chapter thirteen, verse thirty four, thirty five. So verse John, first John 3.11 and the gospel of John chapter 13. And we'll start in John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35. And I actually read these verses last week and kind of um, just kind of glanced at them. But I think that the, the subject matter and these verses deserve more than just a mention in passing. Um, I think they're way more important than that. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning um, we're going to start in John chapter 13, and we'll read 34 and 35. John 13 is the upper chamber. Um, the disciples are gathered, and, and, and Jesus has washed their feet. He's announced to them um, that one of them is, is going to betray him. Um, and he's actually given them kind of a hint or a tip to who that is. Um, he's gotten through with all of that, and he's set back down in verse 34. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if 
you have love for one another. Let's pray. Father and our God, again, we, we come to you this morning to say thank you for another day and thank you, Father, for the opportunity that you've given us to gather this morning, Father, to study your word and to hear your word. I pray that you would guide us through this time, that you would open our hearts and minds to what you would have us to know and understand, Father, that we may gain something that grows us more to that image of your glory that you desire for us to be. Father, we pray for all those that are sick this morning, those that are struggling, those that are, have lost loved ones. Father, we just pray for your guidance and your direction and your comfort, Father, that you would supply a peace that surpasses all understanding, whatever the situation may be. And Father, as much as we desire to see their physical state be uh, redeemed or healed, Father, uh, more than that, we desire your will to be done. Father, we just trust you with them, and we want you to know that this morning, that whatever you decide, we trust you. Father, we thank you, we love you, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so John chapter 13, 35, in the upper room, and, and Jesus says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Now, Christ has loved in a way that, that is just sacrificial and servant-like, and he tells us to love one another in that same manner. And, and just as important as the instruction to love one another and the way he tells us to love one another is the fact that he tells us that all people will know that you are my disciples when you do this. So that tells me that, that loving one another the way Christ loves us sets us apart from the rest of the world, right? So this is, this is a great big important thing here that we not miss. This new commandment is to love one another as Christ has loved us and the, the understanding that us doing this lets the whole world know who we are. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. So this isn't going to be a secret kind of thing, right? It's not going to be something that's done behind closed doors. And it's not something that's only contained to inside the people we go to church with. Because otherwise, all people wouldn't be able to know, right? So this command to love one another is huge. And the fact that it's the way that we are recognized as Christ's disciples by the rest of the world. So it's going to be important that we know and understand what this looks like. It's going to be important for us to know and understand what it looks like to love one another. Now, again, we've been talking about the one another since about the first of the year and the importance of the one another's and, and how important it is for us to be surrounded with like-minded people and to be one another's for one another and to be one another's that we are dependent on one another's. It, it's, it's just of utmost importance that we have one another's in our lives. And again, this was made more clear to me over the last years, give or take, during the time of not having one another, during the time of being isolated and stuck at the house and not coming to church. and not, I mean, that, that's when it was, it was magnified during that time. So as I, I came, come back around to the understanding that I have now and and rereading some of this stuff and going back through some of these scriptures that pertain to one another, it has a different meaning to me, and I just have a strong desire to share that with you. So here we are at love one another. 
and love one another as Jesus did. Now remember, he just got up from washing the feet of the 12 disciples. Peter is in that 12 who's going to completely deny him. Right? He's going to just go, I mean, and Christ knows it's coming. And we know Christ knows it's coming because if you read on down in verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterward. And Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus answered and said, you will lay down your life for me? Question mark, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. So Christ knows what's going to take place. It's not like this is going to take him off, catch him off guard. So he just got through washing the feet of the guy who's going to completely deny knowing him. Also in that group is a fellow by the name of Judas who sells him for 30 pieces of silver. Again, it ain't that Christ don't know. If you go back and read, you don't have to flip but about one page and you can read the account that they, he tells them, one of y'all is going to betray me. And they say, well, which one is it? And he gives him a piece of bread and everybody's kind of looking at him. So this isn't about learning how to love the people that love you in return. And, and he said for us to love as he loves. So he's, he's been in there washing the feet, serving with all he's got. Listen, this is the king of kings. This is the Lord of lords who is down on his knees washing the nasty feet out of a sign and a show of servanthood to not only the ones that may love him, but the ones who will completely, one who will completely deny even knowing him, and the other who completely betrays him. So this isn't about learning how to love the people that love me in return, or the people that 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 act the way I expect them to. This is a, a statement of love that covers all areas of our life, being able to love one another the way Christ did. So from there, jump over to 1 John chapter 3. First John chapter 3, we'll start reading in verse 11. You don't have to stand. We're going to kind of go through these a little at a time. And we're going to see another place where it's pointed out to us the importance of love one another. Now, um, As best I can tell from the thing, because there's, there's a little bit of a disagreement on who wrote the first John. Some people want to think it's not the same guy that wrote the gospel of John. The research I did and the looking up I did and, and the time that I spent, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because it's not of utmost importance at this point, but I did want to have enough knowledge to be able to have a conversation about it if somebody so chooses. But all the elements point to that 1 John is written by the same guy that wrote the Gospel of John. The verbiage is a lot comparable. The words he uses, the way he goes about things, 
Um, all of that stuff lines up to say. Now, it doesn't definitively say. It's one of those books where you can't, I mean, we can't take you to a place and go, here's where he identifies himself. It's not like that. But the people a lot smarter than me have done a lot of studying to find out. So this appears to be written by the same feller we just read from in the Gospel of John. All right. <clears throat> so now, if that's true, then we just read that account of Jesus making these statements, right? What we just read was Jesus' words, him in his own words in the upper room, and he's talking and tells them how important it is that they learn to love one another and tells them that the whole world is going to know that you are my disciple if you learn to do this. All right, now remember, John wrote that, so he was present there. Now we're going to a different place, and if you, if you try to read through the book of First John, Second John, even in John a little bit, you'll see it. They call John a circular uh, idealist. In other words, his thoughts and ideals aren't linear. You don't get on a track or an ideal or a thought and finish it out in a straight line. John's like me. He chases rabbits. <laughs> he goes in circles. So what will happen is he'll mention something in his writing and then he'll get off of it and you'll think it's over, then he'll circle back to it and hit it again. And he does that a lot. So as you read things in, written by him, you'll kind of, if you'll pay attention, you'll see that happening. You'll see that there's this mention. And I'm going to show you a little bit of that this morning. Um, he don't go far, but he does get off and then come back and circles back and hits this again. So it, this being the same guy, we just read where he was in the room when the command was given, right? All right, now he's trying to pass that command on. Here we go in verse 11. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning. This isn't a new idea. There's nothing new about this. But I want to remind you of it. I'm here to tell you this morning, I've not got something new for you. You've heard this before. This is the same message from the beginning. Okay? This isn't something new and shocking and you're going to go, Wow, I've never heard that before. I hope as a Christian you've heard this before. I hope somewhere down the line somebody has brought you this message and you have the understanding of the importance of loving one another. So this isn't going to be some great big new revelation. You've heard it before, just as John says. This is, this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That, that's going to be the message. See how, see how he done that? See how he laid that out? This is what you've heard from the beginning that you should love one another. So that's, that's going to be the whole point of what we're reading here in John. It's going to be the whole point of what I'm saying this morning is that you and I have to understand the importance of love one another because it's easy to say and it's easy to look at and it's easy to know that that command exists, right? It's easy to understand that it was written. It's easy to understand that Jesus said it. It may even for some of you be easy to understand the weightiness of the statement itself to love one another and it be as broad as it is. But when it comes time to put this one into practice, some of y'all make it hard on me. <laughs> right? In other words, if he said love your dog, I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we can handle that, right? I mean, that's easy to do. Why? Because, I mean, that thing barely dis dis disagrees with you. My dog barely talks back to me. Right? My dog seldom 
doesn't do what I say. But he didn't talk about dog. He's talking about people. He's talking about one another. And the reason that's so much harder is because we're talking about individuals. And we're talking about people that aren't always going to make the right decision. We're talking about imperfect beings that at the root of each and every one of us is sinfulness and selfishness. So, so the, the, the act of love one another is going to be a whole lot more difficult. Right? Because I'm just going to go on and admit it if y'all won't. Some days, I'm hard to love. So, some days, I don't make great decisions. Some days, the right stuff don't come out of my mouth. Some days, I'm hard to love. And whether you know it or not, some days, you're hard to love. So this statement of love one another, again, it's easy to understand that it's there. It's easy to understand maybe even the importance of it or the weightiness of it. But to actually go out here and apply what we're going to talk about this morning, it's tough. It's tough. It really is. It's really, really hard. And I could give you example over example over example of people that I encounter on a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are hard to love. <laughs> they make it difficult. But then when I stop and think, they're not the only ones. I'm difficult too. I'm hard to love some days. You're hard to love some days. So it's going to take a lot of effort to put this into practice. Although it's easy to understand that it's there, why it's there, and even the weightiness of it, it's going to be hard for you and I to really walk this out. All right, verse 12. Look at here. Now first, John's going to give us an example of what not to be. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So the first thing you got to know about loving one another is you can't be like Cain. Because Cain killed his brother. And why did Cain kill his brother? Because his brother was evil? No. Because his brother was mean to him? No. He killed him because he was evil himself and his brother was righteous. In other words, he killed him because of jealousy. Do you know how many people ain't speaking to somebody they love today because of jealousy? Do you know how many people ain't speaking to somebody they're supposed to be loving today because of pride? See, these things, a lot of times, we, we call it something else, right? I, I just had the opportunity to resolve one of these in my own personal life this week. My wife come in one night, and I'll probably cry telling you this. My wife come in one night this week. If you wouldn't cry, I wouldn't. <clears throat> and she said, you ain't going to believe who come to see you today, and you wasn't there. And he left his number, and he wants you to call him. And I said... I mean, it could be anybody. There's a lot of people don't like me. <laughs> There's a lot of people been mad at me, you know. And she gave me the guy's name, and I sat there and thought, there's no way. She said, I'm serious. He come to see you, and he wants you to call him. And I did. The next day, it was late that evening, so I called him the next day, and I was on my way to um, Reedyville, which is about a two-hour drive from the shop. 
And I had two hours and we almost took up the whole two hours talking and catching up. And we both came to the realization the reason we ain't talked in two plus years is because of pride. It wasn't the reason we had written down, right? What was stopping me from loving him wasn't what I had wrote down against him. What it really was was pride because what I had wrote down was about this big. (laughs) But my pride, his pride. See, so most of the time, hey, don't be Cain. And listen, when we think of Cain and we got the description right here, we think of murderer. But that's not all he's referring to. He is referring to that and I'm not trying to take anything from that. But I want you to know that murderer is not all that you can't be in order to love somebody. Right? To love one another. You can put murderer on your... Don't be a murderer for sure. But there's some other things you can put on there. Don't be prideful. Right? Don't be jealous. Right? See, these are all things that you and I are going to have to overcome in order to put this into practice. I told you it was going to be tough, right? And it is. It's going to be tough. And listen, God is telling us to love one another the way that Christ loves us. Not the way you love ice cream. Not, not, the way, not, not the way that you love your truck or you love your job. It's a different kind of love. This kind of love is, is different. This is a godlike love. This is agape love. This is an unconditional, sacrificial love. Where we don't count the costs. How many of you know that if you tear out of here today and you start loving somebody, you're liable to get hurt? Matter of fact, I'm going to turn that around and tell you, you're likely to get hurt. You know why? You're dealing with imperfect beings. You're dealing with people that don't know how to act, don't know how to talk, right? You're dealing with people that are selfish, right? You're dealing with people that are still wrapped in the flesh and they ain't perfected it no more than you have, no more than I have. I mean, I just told you I let it go on for two plus years. Your pastor, for two plus years, I wouldn't pick up the phone and call. And this is somebody that is a dear friend of mine. We was, we was pretty tight spiritually. We were friends. I mean, the whole purpose of talking to one another is so we could have church amongst us. And I let that go on for two plus years. Why? Pride. Because I'm sinful and I make bad decisions. I'm hard to love. For two and a half years or two plus years, I've been hard to love for that guy. And for what? To what end? What did it prove? (laughs) What did it accomplish? Love one another. And by doing this, all people will know that you are my disciples. See, we're putting this love on display so the whole world knows we ain't like them. But when we go out here and act like we act, they look at us and go, the only difference I see is you get up on Sunday mornings and I stay in bed. And if that's the only difference they're seeing, we've got a problem. There's a big problem. There should be more difference than that. Listen, just because you wear the T-shirt don't mean anything. Let's put this stuff into, into practice. All right, so don't be like Cain.
He was evil. He was a murderer. You and I know that. His own deeds were evil. His brothers was righteous. Jealousy flared up and he killed his own brother. Verse 13, here's something else. Do not be surprised, brother, that the world hates you. See, when we start to put something on display that connects us with God, that connects us as Christians, that puts us with Christ, don't be surprised that the world hates you. We look around and go, well, I can't believe the world, or I can't believe the people. Why not? Why not? Why? You know, God is not surprised that the world hates Him. God is not surprised that they want to tell you that there are many ways into heaven. God's not surprised by that. God's not surprised that they disagree with Him, that they don't love Him, even though He sent His Son to die for their sins, just like He did for my sins, right? God's not surprised that they don't love Him in return. God's not surprised by the way the world acts. As a matter of fact, I can boldly tell you God's not even disappointed in the way they act. He expects them to act this way. They have no Why would they not? They're selfish, wrapped in flesh. They have no foundation. They have no moral compass, right? So why would they act better? But on the other hand, he looks at his people and goes, you know, I'd expect more out of you. Don't be surprised that when you start loving one another, the world starts hating you. Remember, you've just identified yourself as one of Jesus' disciples by loving one another. Ain't that what he told us in John? It's what he said, right? So when you start to practice these things, don't be surprised that the world hates you. They don't want to hear what you have to say. They despise the fact that you're willing to sacrifice yourself on the behalf of somebody else. They're not about that. Don't be surprised by it. See, what we expect is, if I love somebody, for them to love me in return. That's what we desire. That's what will make me keep going. But the fact of the matter, the likeliness of that happening is pretty slim. Look at how Christ was treated by the people he loved. Listen, he just got through washing the feet of 12 men, two of which one is going to sell him for 30 pieces of silver in just a few hours, and just a couple days later, the second one is going to completely deny ever even knowing him. Was Jesus expecting great things out of them? That's why he loved them? No. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. Why? We should be the least surprised people of all the world when we look out there and see all this garbage that's going on. You're looking at people that have no moral compass. They have no standard. They have no godly foundation. And listen, it's being removed more and more every day. This, this gay rights thing. I, I said, and you can ask my Sunday school t class, I know I, I, may, I know I said it in Sunday school. I may have said it in here. When this happens, you remove the whole standard. So the gay is not going to be the worst thing that comes out of this. You do know people that are petitioning the courts right now to marry their animals. 
You know why? There's no standard. We removed our standard. The standard had always been, since the foundations of this country, a biblical standard. And that standard was one man and one woman, and that's been the standard. Well, we removed that standard through the court system. And when there's no standard, guess what? <laughs> it's open to anything. There's people marrying their kin people or petitioning the courts to marry their kin folks. Underage is not a problem, going to be a problem anymore. Animals, whatever. Why? Because there is no standard. So listen, don't ever look out over the world and be surprised at what they're doing. There's no standard. There's no moral compass. So don't be surprised that when they figure out your desire is to love somebody, maybe even them, that they hate you for it. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Listen, and this is not a new thing. This wasn't written yesterday. I didn't come up with this this past week. Right? This has obviously been going on for a long time. John's addressing it in the Bible. So it's obviously something, there's nothing new under the sun, according to Solomon. It's just got a new name. We just call it something different. Keep going with me. It gets better. So Abel, Cain kills Abel because he's evil and, and, and Abel is uh, good or righteous. Don't be surprised that the world hates you. Verse 14, we know that we have passed out of death and into life because we love the brothers. One of the ways you'll know for yourself, not only will it tell others where you stand, but your ability to love one another will let you know where you stand. What did he say? We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Because we love one another, we know, because listen, you ain't no different than them. In and of yourself, you ain't capable of love. This source of love only has one source. That's God himself. And if you're not plugged in, you're not capable either. Just like they're not capable. I warned you when we started, this is the message that you've heard from the beginning. This ain't nothing new. You've heard all this before, right? This isn't the first time. Keep going. <clears throat> Not only will they know who you are, you will know who you are. But look at this. Whoever does not love abides in death. That'd be a dark place to live, right? Wonder why they're so sad? Why they, why they have any hatred? Because if you don't have love, if you're not plugged into the source of love, where's your hope? I mean, if your hope is in who the president is, you're probably very disappointed today, right? If, if your hope was in great economy and, and low gas prices, you're probably disappointed today. And I got bad news, you're probably going to be more disappointed next week and the next week. And See, our hope is not in this world or the things of this world. Our hope is in the fact that Christ is exactly who he says he is, right? He said he was the son of God. And if He is the Son of God, we have hope. And listen, this isn't hope like standing in down the road listening to the ice cream truck at the highway going, I hope He comes down my, my street. I hope He comes down my street. No, this isn't that hope. This hope is a blessed assurance. 
you can be assured of it. And it's what we have to base our faith in, base our hope in, because the things of this world will let you down. It's ever-changing. As a matter of fact, it's not only always changing, it's always deteriorating. This thing's cursed, along with everything, everything in it. Excuse me. <clears throat> it's cursed. So it, there's no hope in it. Got to make sure we, we stay on the same line here. All right, look, whoever does not love abides in death. And the reason they're all so sad and so full of hate because they ain't got no hope. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Wow. John's not one to mince words, is he? John's kind of being straightforward this morning. Let's, let's look at that again to make sure we didn't misunderstand. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So the opposite of love is hate. And if you have hate, you are a murderer. I all of a sudden don't know if I'm a fan of, of, of John. If you hate your brother, you are a murderer. And everybody knows, according to what John just said, that a murderer don't have eternal life in them. In other words, a murderer is not of God. Wow. They just got big. But there's hope. There's, there's hope. Let's, let's keep going. There's hope. Let's keep going. Ver the next verse here. By this, we know love. Here, here's how we know love exists. This is how we know what love looks like. This is how we know what love should look like. Look at this. By this, we know love. That he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So what does, what does love, because remember we started this in, in John where he told us to love one another as he has loved us, right? So we're, we're trying to figure out how to love the way that Jesus loved and by doing that we make it known to all people that we are Jesus' disciples. Alright, so we're looking for, to define that. Now look at here. By this we know love. Now how we know what that love looks like is right here that he laid down his life for us. Now remember who I told you was probably in that room? The guy that wrote this, right? So he was present when Jesus gets up from washing feet and gives them the new command to love one another and to love as he did and to know that when you love, people will know you are my disciples. He was also present over the next few days when he physically seen he heard Jesus say this, love like I love, and then he watched him go to that cross. Right? Look at this. That's where this comes from. He was there. He laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives 
for our brothers. Now, for some people, that means physical, just like Jesus did, lay your life down. For some people, that means just putting self aside. Right? Just being willing to tell self no so that I have the opportunity to meet the needs of somebody else. You know, it's easy to look at this thing that Jesus did and think that it was no big deal because he was God. But I'm telling you, it was a huge deal. First of all, he left the throne room of heaven just to come here. Think of all he gave up just in that step. Then he put his life on the line, and if you don't think it bothered him, go and read about the night in the garden before it all took place and watch a man sweat blood. Yeah, it was a big deal. And he put it all down for me. For me. Because he knew that without him, I couldn't get back to my father. He knew that without him doing that, I didn't have a chance at reconciliation. I didn't have a chance to know what love was. I wouldn't have a chance to be forgiven of my sins. I wouldn't be ch have a chance to be in right standing with my maker without him doing what he did. And he laid everything down to give me that opportunity. And according to John, I should be willing to do the same thing for my brothers. Now, I'm not up here preaching this because I'm good at it. Don't put me on no pedestal. I just told you of two and a half years of pride. But I can tell you this. If we can ever figure out how to imitate Christ, there's nothing we can't do. But it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a lot of effort. Listen, I'm telling you, these people that you look at and you think they're unlovable, there's somebody that may be looking in the other direction back at you thinking the same thing. Don't ever think that somehow, way, because of who you are or what you've done or where you've been or where you've come from, that you're better than any... It's only by the grace of God that you are who you are and where you are. I ain't but just two or three bad decisions from being exactly back to where I came from. And it wasn't a great place. It's only by the grace of God. So don't sit and look at these things and think about these things and convince yourself that somehow you're going to pull your big boy britches on and go conquer the world. No, you're going to pull on the whole armor of God if you're going to conquer this world. We're going to be dependent on God and God alone, not self. So I'm not up here telling you that this is something you have to conquer. I'm telling you this is another area where we've got to learn how to focus on Christ. Because listen, these people are unlovable. They really are. They're, they're hard to love. I'm telling you, they, I ain't just talking about the ones out there. I'm talking about some of them in here. You're hard to love. I'm telling you, we are. I'm hard to love. You're hard to love. So this isn't going to be based on what you're capable of. It's going to be based upon what God's capable of and your ability to be dependent on Him and obedient to Him and your ability to trust Him, which again is just another gift of grace. It all comes back to God's abilities, not ours. Keep going. Let's see if it gets any better. I hope I don't pick up that other bottle and drink.
Some of y'all are now hoping that happens and it ain't funny. And I know who you are, Sean. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So if anyone has stuff, right, and sees a brother in need and refuses to help, how does God's love abide in him? I'm telling y'all, John is getting sharp with his words this morning. Here's another instruction for you and I to try to figure out what God's love looks like, um, Jesus' love looked like. He didn't withhold anything, right? He didn't withhold anything. And neither should you and I. If that's what it takes to love somebody, then that's what we should do. I've, I've said a few weeks ago, I don't believe it's a sin to live as a rich man but it may be a sin to die as one. This is where that comes from. See, what you got to understand, we got to continually remind ourselves of these things. You are a conduit, not a container. You are a conduit, not a container. God didn't give you forgiveness so you could hold up forgiveness. He gave it to you so you could be a conduit of forgiveness, right? So you could share forgiveness. God didn't give you His love so you can be a container full of love. He gave it to you so you can be a conduit of His love. Same thing with mercy, same thing with grace, right? The list goes on and on. You are not a container, you are a conduit. And the same thing goes with what we just sat here and said, I only have what I have by the grace of God, right? I'm not a container of stuff. I am a conduit. In every aspect, I am a conduit of God's grace, not a container. I should live like it. According to what John just said, if I'm not a conduit, how does God's love abide in Him? Keep going. <clears throat> Little children... Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. For the one millionth, one hundred thousand, nine hundred and ninety-eight ninth time, you can tell me what you believe all day long. I know what you believe by the way you live your life. And not because I got some kind of superpower. That's just true. Let's not love in word and talk, but in deed and truth. Love is an action word. It's an action word. And the whole world, the reason they're going to know that you're Jesus' disciple when you love one another is because they can see love. They may not be able to explain it. They may not know what to call it. But they can see it. And they'll know it exists and you'll know it exists. It's, it's all about trusting God. 
It's all about being obedient to God. It's all about having a servant's heart. It's all about understanding that if not for the grace of God, who are we? The only thing that that causes me, I mean, who chose your parents? You? Huh? I didn't choose mine. I'm glad I got what I got, but I didn't choose them. Right? Who, Who chose your birthplace? You? I mean, do you remember signing up for being American versus third world country? So who chose that? It's only by the grace of God. You have nothing to do with it. I have nothing to do with it. And the sooner we're able to admit that, the sooner we'll be able to understand and realize that these people we look at that God tells us to love and we look at him and go, but they're unlovable. And he goes, looks at us and goes, I know, so are you. Right? That that he laid down his life and it's easy for you and I to sit here not in the upper room and point at Judas and goes, he washed the feet of Judas? I mean, he washed the feet of Peter? I mean, right? But what have we done that's any different? How many times have you sold out Jesus? How many times have you denied knowing him? Listen, let's let's don't love in word and talk but indeed, in truth, let's put it on display. I, I tell my, I've told my daughter a thousand times, Papa, I love you. Show me. Prove it. Because that usually comes after she's been in trouble for something, right? <laughs> right? Ain't, ain't that, no. What does that make her? Completely human. Right? So don't, don't tell me, show me. Put it on display. That's what God's, God's going, hey, don't, it's no good to just tell, show me. Indeed and truth, put it on display. Let's see your love for one another. Remember, the world is going to recognize that you are his disciple by your love for one another. And when you and I blend in to the point that they can't tell the difference in us and the rest of the world, that don't sound right to me. And listen, don't be surprised that the world hates you. That's no excuse for your behavior. Don't be surprised by it. They hate me too. The world hating you don't make you special. We're getting close. Verse 19. By this, we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. You know, this, these couple, next couple of scriptures, this one and the next one, I think, are, are a whole message by themselves. And I highly recommend and strongly encourage that you take your Bible and take the time to to understand these couple of scriptures about your heart condemning you. Because I'm going to touch it, but it's just going to be brief because I'm running out of time and I want to move on to something else. But no matter 
who you are or where you are in life, you are not beyond self-doubt. Sometimes, no matter what you're doing, no matter how hard you're trying, no matter, no matter what great intentions you have, no matter what good or righteous thing you are doing, sometimes your heart turns on you and yourself begins to convince you that you are not enough. And I'm just going to tell you, you're right, you're not. But remember, it's not you that you're dependent upon. And listen, you can stand before God with confidence regardless of what your heart says about you, regardless about what yourself says about you. In other words, as John's going through this and giving out all of these commands and giving us all these warnings, he stops in the middle of it and goes, Listen, guys, at some point you're going to think you're not worthy. And you're right. At some point you're going to think you can't do this. And you're right, but look at what he says. Look at how he finishes out that statement. Look here. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows everything. So why am I dependent on myself? Because I'm not capable. I've got to be dependent upon God who knows everything who is more than capable, right? Listen, again, it would pay you great dividends to take some time with that and, and look at that and really research that and dig that out and have a full understanding of what it means for your heart to condemn you. That's just kind of a brief summary because i got something else I want to show you. Beloved, if our hearts, heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God and whenever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and we do what pleases Him. Verse 23. This is His commandment. That we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. That's His commandment. That's God's commandment, is that you believe that Jesus Christ is exactly who He says He is, the Son of God, and that you love one another. Because see, what happens is when we become a Christian, when we become connected to Christ, you're no longer just representing yourself. Now you represent your church, if you're a part of a church. Right? When you go out here and act a fool, they don't just see... They, let me reverse that. When I go out here and act a fool, they don't just see me acting a fool. I'm tied to every one of you. And they go, don't he go to that church out there, that big red building out 166 North? And somebody goes, yeah, I think he's even a preacher. Oh, he can't be. Yeah, I think he is. And now they start doubting everything that's come out of this church because of the way I acted. And it ain't just because I'm a preacher. It's because I'm attached to this church. It goes further than that. Then somebody goes, so was he a Christian? Well, yeah, I think he was. Well, I knew I didn't like him Christians. See how they act. I knew I didn't trust that God of his. See how he acts? See, when, when you become a follower of Christ, when you become a child of God, when you become, in a, when you get in a living, breathing relationship with the Father through the Son, your actions don't just affect you. 
people ain't just looking at you to see who you are. You're now attached to much more. And you're having an impact. So when I go out here and live like the world and don't love, then they don't just hold me accountable for it. They hold you accountable for it too. And when you do it, they don't just hold you accountable. They hold me in chastity too. They're holding me and Amanda. They're holding me and Sean. They're looking at every one of us and going, well, they're responsible for them. And it goes further than that according to what Scripture says. Right? You are known. It is known by all people that you are my disciple if you love one another. Look, this is such a big subject. I told you about John making circles and going back to things. If you will, if you will read through the, this book of 1 John, you'll find some of these things. I'm just going to point one out. If you'll skip from verse four, one, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, and go to chapter 4, verse 7, you'll see he gets back on this subject. And he, and he goes into a description of God is love. And I could have come to right here and started this morning and preached the same message. Look at this. Beloved, let us love one another. Look at this. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Is that not what we were just talking about? Look at this. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. What? In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. I think we talked about that. In this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that He first loved us and sent His Son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Look at this. It's like he's repeating what we just read, right? What have I told you about things that are repeated? They're important. Things that are repeated are important. And John, made, John makes this circle, and they say it's because that's, all of his writings to some extent do that. But if you look at this, he starts out and he talks about the importance of loving one another and the fact that you can't love without God, and if you don't love, you ain't got God. And he comes off of that and he goes on to a little bit of something else and then he circles right back to the same thing. He talks about it some more. I'm telling you, this is important. It's important for the church to know and understand that we are expected to love one another. To Listen, the reason we struggle so much with loving all it's because we can't even get love one another right, if you know what I mean. Right? So un until we, I mean, I ain't saying you shouldn't go out there and try. You definitely should be doing that. That's what we were instructed to do. But I want to tell you a great place to practice. Because if you think all the imperfect people are outside, <laughs> you're fixing to be surprised. Because <laughs> there's a bunch of imperfect people sitting in here too. We are. We're hard to love some days. And sometimes we'll even let pride get in the way for two plus years. Some of you's wishing it had just been two years. And I can tell you today ain't too soon. 
I can tell you from experience, it feels pretty good to get them kind of weights off of you. To get that turned loose. Because you can claim you ain't thought about it, but I know better. You can claim it ain't affected you, but I know better. You were instructed to love one another the way that Christ loves us. Sacrificially, unconditionally, right? And although for me it was just two and a half years, or two plus, I won't say it was just two plus. However long it's been, you can put pride aside and start your practice of loving one another by going, whatever it was, however bad it hurts, you know what, I'm over it, and pick up the phone and go, hey, I forgive you, I love you, and I'm ready to prove it. Now, that don't mean you got to lay down and be the doormat to the world. I'm not saying that. God does not call you to that. But he does call you to love one another. And he also says, if you have hatred in your heart, how does God abide in him? In other words, he don't. He don't. If you've hated, if you have hatred, if you hate your brother, you have murdered. See how he covers these things in so many different ways? It says them, and they all say the same thing. Man, this is big stuff. As Christians, we got to learn it. And we ain't just got to know that it's there. <laughs> we go out here and walk in it. Got to go out here and put it on display. And listen, don't be surprised that when you go do this, the world hates you. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised at all.